Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Amazing. Amazing. You can be seated. Turn to somebody, say you look good. Turn to your second choice, say you look gooder. (laughs) Wow. What an honor it is for me to be at City of Life Church. Um, Over the pandemic and the quarantine, there was this documentary that came out. I'm a big basketball guy. There was a documentary that came out about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Did anyone else watch that? It was really, really interesting. Um, But there was a quote by one of the Chicago Bulls coaches. Uh, I don't know if you will remember this quote, but he said, he said a line that it's stuck with me since I heard it. He said, we didn't really fully appreciate what was happening in the moment. We weren't able to fully appreciate it. We knew it was special. We knew it was awesome, but we weren't really able to fully appreciate it until some time had passed. And I don't want you guys as a church to let this moment slip by without realizing how special, how much of a move of God this right here to step into a church that looks this diverse, that is this in love with Jesus, that wants to be the hands and feet of a community. This is a move of God. It's not something that just happens all over the place. I'm telling you, I get the privilege of traveling. This is special. I think it would be appropriate to thank God one more time for what he is doing in the city of Orlando and the greater area. This is amazing. This is amazing. Uh, Your pastor slid into my DMs and I am so thankful. I got to spend a little bit of time with your pastors, Pastor Jeffrey and Amy last night. And um, I just, I feel very grateful just to know you. And uh, you guys are really blessed in a world that it's, it's very tempted to pursue being seen. Um, it became really clear to me in just an hour and a half last night that your pastors just want to serve. And uh, I think that that's a huge reason why God is able to bless this church. I think it's a huge reason why you guys have some really awesome heritage and legacy at this church. Um, but I think it's a huge reason why the future is even greater than what has already happened at this church. I think it would be appropriate. Do you love your pastors right now? Can we let them know how thankful we are? Come on. I I would be remiss if I did not take a second to honor Pastor Gary and Pastor Janice. Wow. Thank you. This happening right here is because of you guys, the bold steps of faith that you guys took 35 years ago, 35 years ago. That is, that's what I'm talking about this morning. I want to be like you. There's a lot of hashtag goals out there, but this is hashtag goals. 50 years of marriage, 35 years of an incredible local church, even more years of ministry. Um, Do you love these guys? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 
What a worship team. Hey, my wife, sometimes when I start singing during our worship, she's like, hey, can you tone it down a little bit? You're distracting the people around you. I'm off key a little. I want to be your bass player. I don't know who that guy is. My man, wherever he is at, that is a cool criminal right there, man. He is just like, he's like feeling it, like, like moving. He had like the stanky leg going on for a minute. I don't know what was happening, but I was in there, man. Um, amazing. Thank you guys so much for leading us in worship today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn them on, we're going to be in Genesis chapter six. As you're going there, I'd love to just introduce you to my family uh, really quick. My name's Noah, I'm 26 years old and uh, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 21. And so I've been following God for almost six years now. And about three years ago, I met a girl, her name was Maddie. She was the most like Jesus person I had ever met. And by the grace of God, about eight months later, she became my wife. Uh, and I think we have a photo of, of Maddie and I. Do we have that picture? Hey, there she is. She is amazing. Um, she's from Alabama. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Sweet Home Alabama, but if you have, you've met my wife. She is very country. She only gets more country when Alabama loses at football, which doesn't happen much, but when it does, we rejoice. Amen. So um, I love her so much. She's at home leading uh, the church that we serve at. It's called Neighborhood Church. She's there today. She uh, is also very excited. I am very excited. Next time we hang out in Orlando, we're going to have to come together with an extra plane ticket because my wife is 38 and a half weeks pregnant. <laughs> Do we have that photo? Yes. So if you see me run off the stage, you'll know why. Uh, I, I'm on standby today. But um, we told our family, everyone was really excited. And uh, there was one family member who wasn't excited. We have a photo of him. He was pretty mad that we were pregnant. Um, <laughs> that is our uh, fur son. His name is Mowgli. And uh, dogs are amazing. We're big dog people. But... Um, I've never needed scripture more than waking up at like four o'clock in the morning to take a puppy out. You know, I'm like, love is patient, love is kind, but dog, you're going to make me lose my mind. Okay. <laughs> hey, Genesis chapter six, I want to read you my favorite scripture in all the Bible. Verse eight, this is my favorite scripture in the entire Bible. It says, but Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. My name's, my name's Noah. Good morning. Now we're going to be in verse 18. Genesis chapter six, really familiar story, the story of Noah. This is what it says, but I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You'll board the ship and your sons, your wife and your son's wives will come on board with you. You're also to take two of each of every living creature, a male and a female on board the ship to preserve their lives with yours. Two of every species of, species of bird, mammal and reptile, two of everything so as to preserve their lives along with yours. Also get all the food you'll need and store it up for you and for them, I love how it ends in verse 22. Noah did everything that God commanded him to do. What a legacy it would be. I think about, I didn't get the honor to meet Pastor Sammy, but I've heard a lot about him in the time that I've been in Orlando. And I believe the reason why this church loved Pastor Sammy so much was because he was a person who sought 
to please God and do everything that God commanded him to do. That is the greatest legacy that any of us could ever hope to have. And um, I wanna talk about what that looks like this morning. The title of my message is really simple. It's build the boat, build the boat. And uh, I I grew up um, in church services. Uh, Part of my story is I'm a pastor's kid and ran away from Jesus for for a long time. But I grew up in Pentecostal churches. So um, I love to preach God's word where people preach it back to me. So you can say, amen. You can say, hallelujah. You can say, preach a white boy. It won't offend me. if you hear something that you don't, you don't like, I want to hear from you too. Just email me at pastorfranco at cityoflifechurch.org. <laughs> I love that guy. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for these moments. We ask that you'd speak to us right now through your word. We love you so much. Thank you so much for what you're doing in this church, for what you're doing in this city. We believe that the best days are ahead of us. We ask that you would stir our spirits this morning, that we would leave here different today. We love you. We thank you for Chick-fil-A. And everybody said, come on, everybody said. Thank you, man. Um, I love showing photos of my family at the beginning of a message for a couple different reasons. Number one, statistics say that you'll pay attention to me longer if I do that. Um, Number two, uh, we're in a really great season of life right now. Uh, We're 38 and a half weeks pregnant, right? Like like we know we got a son in there, uh, but we're also not paying for diapers right now. You know, like, like we know we're parents already, but, but like we're not losing sleep at night yet. Like we know there's a day coming really soon where it's going to be harder than just posting a photo on Instagram. You know, like, like we're living in some really good days right now. But uh, if you've lived on this planet for any length of amount of time, you know that there are easy seasons and there are hard seasons. And if you're in the middle of one, you can pretty much bank on the next one coming soon. If you're in a great season, you know that soon there's going to be a day when you wake up, it's not so easy, it's not so great, it's not so social media worthy, right? And so um, I was thinking about this because we're in this great season and in our relationship, Maddie and I's relationship, We've had both of those, great seasons, bad seasons. Um, I I was reminded of the first time that uh, I told Maddie that I loved her. And uh, I'd love to just share this story with you. Is this okay? The first time I told, amazing. I was going to do it anyways. So I was so nervous. You saw a photo. She's way out of my league. And and I just, we'd started dating. We'd been dating for a few months. And I knew I loved her. I already knew I wanted to marry her. Some of you guys are like, that's crazy talk. Listen, when you've been praying for something for years and it walks up and shows up in your life, you know what it is. And so I knew. And um, I start start getting nervous. I'm like, I want to tell her. And there were several times I would like walk into the living room uh, at her parents' house. And I'd be like, this is my moment. I'm going to tell her. And I'd walk up to her and I'd be like, hey, Maddie. And she'd be like, what? And I'd be like, you're out of toilet paper in the bathroom. You know, like I would just get so nervous. And so uh, we had this big group of friends and, and it was summertime. And uh, one of our friends was like, hey, there are cheap flights to Hawaii in a couple weeks. What if we all went, we all bought like a big Airbnb and went to Hawaii? Now I'm thinking that sounds amazing. I cannot think of a better place to tell the woman that I love, I love her than in Hawaii, right? Like this sounds fake. I'm picturing me like surfing up on a surfboard, holding coconuts, you know, I've got like hair like Flavio, you know, like John Mayer is playing in the background. 
ground. Like this is what I'm, this is what I'm picturing. And so we're the second day in Hawaii uh, and, and I'm sleeping on a pullout couch. Me and two of my, uh, they, they were two of my friends. Then they became really close friends when you have three guys on a pullout couch. And we're sleeping out there and all of a sudden I hear someone moving around. It's like five o'clock in the morning and I, I, I look over and I see Maddie at the time, my girlfriend, she's walking on the other side of, of the Airbnb. There's like this hallway and she walks by and walks out towards the beach. And so I'm like, oh no, what does she sleepwalk? You know? <laughs> so I hop out of bed and I, and I chase her outside and, and she's standing just looking at the ocean. We had this really cool Airbnb right next to the water and, and she's standing looking at the ocean. And I said, hey, is everything Okay. She begins to explain to me that she thinks she had some bad fish. Her stomach is hurting and she's, you know, she's talking and as she's talking, it was like I heard the audible voice of the Lord say, son, this is your time. <laughs> and so I grab her hand. I'm like, let's go get some fresh air. You know, we start walking down the beach and it was this picture perfect moment. I mean, the sun had already kind of started to rise on the horizon and there were these, these birds that are, that are going back and forth and there was no one else on the beach because it was so early in the morning. And I'll never forget the spot. We, we stopped in this one uh, little kind of point of the beach and, um, I just, I grabbed her by both hands. I turned her and, and, and had her facing towards me. I looked into her beautiful blue eyes and I said, Maddie, I've been wanting to tell you this for a long time. I, I love you. And it just felt so good, right, to just get it off my chest. And she looked back at me and my kind of average brown eyes. And she said, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> and she ran through the bushes. <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> Not every moment in our life makes it on Instagram. Not every moment in our life seems like a picture-perfect ending to a movie. Not every moment is easy. Not every moment is this cute little story that follows a great narrative. It doesn't always work like this. And when I see the story of Noah, I don't just see this cute story we talk about in kids' church. I actually see beneath the surface and see an extremely hard, difficult story full of moments that didn't make it on Instagram. Most of us, we think of the story of Noah, we think, man, you know, God told Noah, I'm going to flood the earth, get two of every animal. Thank God that he got the dogs, right? We could have done with leaving the mosquitoes, uh, right? Like, like and, and he did it and, and they survived and thank God for Noah's faithfulness, right? It's like this easy little story. But when you look beneath the story, beneath the surface to the story of Noah, you actually see a story that was very, very hard. Most Bible scholars believe that Noah built this boat for around 120 years. Can you imagine doing anything for 120 years? I, I, every New Year's, I make resolutions, right? And for like the past six years in a row, my resolution has been, I'm going to get jacked. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the gym. I'm going to be like, I'm going to look like Zac Efron. Like January 1st comes around and I'm like, I'm going to get my head in the game. Only like three people have seen High School Musical. <laughs> right, and so, so what happens? Like for two weeks, 
I'm in the gym. I'm eating grass, right? I, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. But then what happens after a few weeks go by, it starts to lose its excitement. And where am I? I'm in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru next to you getting a number one meal. Because starting things is easy, but finishing things is hard. The story of Noah is a story about starting, but it's way more about finishing. 120 years of Noah just saying, I've got one goal, and it's to be faithful to what God has called me to build. I found an article in the New York Times a couple years ago. It was written about two years ago. And um, it was done on Generation Z and Millennials, which uh, my ears kind of perked up when I saw this because I'm a part of, I'm kind of in the middle of those two generations. And um, it wasn't a Christian article. It wasn't a, um, an article that was trying to bash our generation. It was just presenting facts. And it said that the average millennial and Gen Z young adults between ages 18 and 30 will hold 14 different full-time jobs in 12 years. That's amazing. I'm not good at math, but that's like more than one a year. And that's the average. I continued reading and basically the thesis of the article was that unlike any generation in history, we have become people who are all about the next best opportunity. If we can find an opportunity that looks better, if we can find an opportunity that pays better, if we can find an opportunity that gives us more street cred with our friends and with our coworkers, we are going to take that opportunity. Here is the problem with being people who are all about opportunities in the kingdom of God. That is not a kingdom thing. God does not give opportunities. God gives assignments, and there's a huge difference. An opportunity... It's all about elevating man. An assignment is all about elevating God. An opportunity might satisfy you for a few moments, but your assignment will give purpose to your entire life. An opportunity might elevate the kingdom of you. An assignment will elevate the kingdom of God. An opportunity might be Instagram worthy, but your assignment will always be fruitful. I came to tell somebody at City of Life Church this morning that today is not the day to give up on your God-given assignment for another man-made opportunity. You don't need affirmation from other people. You've got the affirmation of God. You don't need to seek affirmation from others. You've got the affirmation of Jesus Christ. He has called you to what is sexy. He's called you to what is faithful, what is fruitful. What is it that God has asked you to build? Because we don't have to worry about the results when we're worrying about saying yes to Jesus because his promise is that he will show up and do the work for us. If I don't quit, I win. If I don't quit, I get to the finish line and I hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, when we get to heaven one day, we're not going to hear, well done, my good and famous servant. We're not going to hear, well done, my good and successful servant, my well done and talented servant, my well done and rich servant. We're going to get to heaven one day. And what should be our goal on this life is to hear a very simple phrase, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, it, it's, it's always stood out to me reading the Bible that God promises us a crown. The king of the universe promises us a crown. 
But the crown is not for results. The crown is not for magnitude. As far as we know, the crown is is going to be pretty similar. The crown that you get, the crown that I get, it's going to look pretty similar. It's not going to matter if your results were greater than mine. right? Because faithfulness, success in the kingdom of God is not what I've done compared to what you've done. It's what I've done compared to what God has asked me to do. So if I don't quit, I win. I love this scripture, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Catch this, if we do not give up. That's the key part. If we don't give up, we win. When I was uh, five years old, I was living in Plant City, Florida, strawberry capital of the world. Come on. My mom, she signed me up for t-ball. And uh, my coach put me in right field. I don't know if you've been to a t-ball game recently for five-year-olds, but not many balls get hit to right field. (laughs) And so um, I remember the first game came and and no balls were hit to right field. And and I was complaining to my mom. I was like, I don't even know why I'm playing this game. I wish you would have signed me up for soccer. At least I could have got to move around, you know, like all game. I'm just like waving at butterflies and like I was so bored. And right field, but as the season went on, there, were, there continued to be no action in right field. But I, I slowly stopped caring because we got free snow cones at the end of the game, and that became my sole focus as a right fielder. Was was the snow cone? My coach, he would try to like keep me engaged in the game, and so he'd be like, "Noah, how many outs are there?" And I'd be like, "Grape! <laughs> I want the grape one." Like, this is my t-ball experience. And so we get to the end of, end of the season. I think there were six games or something like that. And it's the sixth game. I've had zero balls hit the right field. And finally, in the last game of the season, this kid gets up there and he, and he really gets a hold of one. And when you really get a hold of one in, at five-year-old t-ball, it just kind of rolls into right field, right? And so the ball is rolling into right field and the crowd is going wild. My mom is going wild. And everyone looks into right field. And there was no right fielder. It's a true story. The right fielder was already at the snow cone line. True story. I had left the back of the field and I was standing in the snow cone line waiting for a grape snow cone. The other night, my mom was reminding me of this story. She was actually telling it to my wife for the first time. And I thought, man, what a tragedy it would be for God to give me a position, for God to give me an assignment, for me to believe that I was placed there at the beginning by God, and then me look at the results and go, must not have been God, and for me to leave the moment that God was bringing the thing I had showed up to do in the first place. Could it be that you're here this morning and you've had a hard week, you've had a a discouraging week, and you're thinking about quitting, you're thinking about giving up today on the thing that God wants to do in your life tomorrow? Could it be that there are souls attached to your assignment? And the only difference between you getting to heaven one day and seeing other people standing there beside you versus not is whether or not you're willing to pick up the hammer and continue to build the boat. When I read, when I read scripture, um, I'm kind of a dramatic person. And um, 
I kind of, I love to think about what passages of scripture would look like as Netflix shows. And um, I really think the story of Noah would be a fascinating Netflix show. Um, I just want you to humor me for a second. I'm kind of reading between the lines here. But um, just imagine the dinner conversation between Noah and his wife when he told her about what he felt like God was calling him to do. Right? Like Noah comes home. He's like, hey, babe, just quit my job. (laughs) Oh, why'd you do that? Going to build a boat. Okay. It's going to be like a fishing boat. You're going to fish. That's how we're going to pay the bills. Think more carnival cruise ship. (laughs) Let's just imagine that went over well. Let's just imagine that that was a a seamless conversation between a husband and a wife. What about year 10 of that? Um, I'm blanking on Noah's wife's name. Forgive me. I'm going to call her Sheila for the sake of this conversation. (laughs) Sheila comes home, year 10. Hey, babe, you know those, you know those dinner parties we, we used to get invited to with the neighbors? Like before you started building this boat, remember the ones with the tea and the crumpets? Like now they're British. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> we used to get invited over. They think we're crazy now. We don't get invited anymore. It's not the same anymore. What, what are we doing? And what is Noah doing? I just got to. Keep building the boat. But you're 20, you're 30, you're 40. I think something that's really important about the story of Noah, important for us to remember, is that no, no one was celebrating Noah's faithfulness. Nobody was writing news articles about what he was doing, giving him pats on the back. And, and if we're people who need other people to celebrate our faithfulness, chances are we will not finish the race faithful. There has to be something else. There has to be a desire to be faithful to God and God alone, not a desire for applause for us to actually be faithful. And so I think about year 50, year 60. I think about the people in this town. Noah, you crazy old man. Your kids are grown now. What a waste. What a wasted life. You're doing all of this for what? There's no sign of this flood. There's no sign of this rain. There hasn't, like God told you to do it. And now it's been, what, 60, 70 years? Don't you feel like you've wasted your life? No, it's just... Can you imagine what would have happened if Noah had stopped year 119? If Noah had started looking around and buying into what other people were telling him, started giving credibility to the criticisms around him, if he had started leaning into his fears and into his doubts. But Noah, he just just kept building the boat. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're like, is this guy about to try to sell me a boat? I don't understand. Maybe you're here and the boat that God is calling you to build is the boat of your marriage. 
you know, it's easy to build that boat when you're like two years in, you know, like I'm not going to stand up here and talk about marriage, but, but it's, it's easy at the beginning going on date nights, pouring into your spouse, praying with your spouse, you know, spending quality time together. But then you you added a couple kids and the stress at your job is amped up. And all of a sudden you and your spouse have kind of grown apart and you kind of put put the hammer down and, and stopped building that boat. And maybe today you walked into church to hear a scrawny white kid from Atlanta, Georgia, to tell you that today is the day to pick back up the hammer and take your spouse on a date night to build that boat. Maybe you're here and you got some crazy kids. Lord. Got some crazy kids and you're trying to parent them. You read all the parenting books. You're trying to be a godly mom, godly dad, but it just seems like you can't get it right. Seems like no matter how hard you try, no matter how much either you, you, you put over them or how much you back off, it just seems like you, you just can't seem to break through to your kids. I know because I was one of those stubborn kids and you're discouraged and, and, and you're down about it and you feel like giving up. And today you need to be reminded that these seeds that you're depositing into your kid's life, even when your kid is running from the Lord for years, one day your kid is going to look up and remember what you deposited into them. And they're going to come running to the feet of Jesus and be saved. Why? Because you built the boat. You built the boat. Maybe the boat that God is calling you to build today is the boat of this church. You've been coming, you've been receiving, you're thankful to be a part, but today God's calling you to build with us. God's calling you to build with your, with your finances. God's calling you to build with your time. Maybe today God's asking you to build the boat and show up next week and, and join a serve team. Start serving on Sunday, start giving sacrificially. I I don't know what the boat is that God has asked you to build. You probably are already kind of aware of it, but this is what I know. Every person in this room is called to build a boat. And secondly, the boat is far bigger than you think because God does not build mediocre boats. (laughs) God does not give mediocre assignments. I wonder sometimes what it would look like for Christians to believe and pray to God in ways that he would actually have to show up. I remember shortly after I got saved, I I said this prayer. I was like, it was like a daily thing for me. It was like, God, just use me to reach somebody. You know, use use me to reach somebody. Use me to to be a light in a conversation today. And I, I don't think that God like doesn't like that prayer. But somewhere along the way, I felt really challenged that I could get the glory if that prayer came to pass, right? Because like, it doesn't take that much from God for me to just like be a nice person to someone at Starbucks. Like, like I, you could just be like, oh, Noah, he's, he's good at talking to people. That was Noah. Oh, Noah's a nice person. That was Noah. And somewhere along the way, my prayer, it, it started getting bigger. I was like, God, use me to reach this college. God, use me to 
bring people to Jesus and this whole college come to know you. God, use me to reach my city. I think that there is a dangerous combination of faith and faithfulness that equals crazy fruit. I think that there is a dangerous combination of faith and faithfulness that leads revival to entire cities, to an entire nation. I wonder what it would look like for this group of people right here to step out of church and go, I'm gonna build the boat and I'm gonna believe that the boat is bigger than I thought. I'm gonna keep showing up. I'm gonna keep putting my faith in God. I'm gonna keep serving even when I don't see results. I'm gonna keep keep putting my trust in Jesus, and I'm going to believe that one day we are going to see a boat that was bigger than we thought. I'd love to just end really quickly. I've only got a couple minutes. Um, I want to tell you about a boat that uh, was really important to my family. I I have a little sister. She is uh, 21 years old, and her name is Carson. Um, When she was 14, she went to the country of Nicaragua on on a missions trip, fell in love with it. And she spent the next year teaching herself Spanish. Um, And when she turned 15, she led her first missions trip to Nicaragua. She was the leader of the trip with 60 adults. She translated and she preached. She is like the real Jesus lover in our family, um, for sure. Like when when we meet new people, I'm, I'm like, this is Carson, and I'm just over here, like in the corner. But... On that first trip, God called her to build a boat and to be a full-time missionary to Nicaragua. And so at 15 years old, she felt this calling. She started leading three trips a year to Nicaragua for the past six years. She's part of a feeding ministry there that feeds over 18,000 kids every single day. And um, it's really amazing. And so when she was 18, senior in high school, a part of the boat that she felt like God was calling her to build is, is she went to this college called Emmanuel College in Georgia, and they have a, a really amazing missions program. And, and she was like, she came home from this trip, and I remember her telling my parents, and I was actually there, part of the conversation. She was like, I feel like I'm supposed to go to Emmanuel College and be a part of their missions program before I move to Nicaragua. So my parents, they get on Emmanuel's website and they saw that Emmanuel College costs $40,000 a year. And so they were like, are you sure you heard from God? Because <laughs> my parents are pastors, so like they're super blessed. But also sometimes when we walk by the ponds, the ducks throw the bread at us. <laughs> so my parents are like, here's the deal, 160 grand, we don't have it. So we'll pray and ask that God will provide the money via scholarship. And if he does, you can go to Emmanuel. And if not, you're gonna have to do something else. And my sister's like, no worries, we're good. God's got me. Gets to April of her senior year. They're sitting at the dinner table one night. Zero scholarship money has come in for my little sister. My parents begin to have the conversation with her. They're like, Carson, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to figure out another route. You're gonna have to go to another school. We just can't afford this. They start talking to her and I wasn't at the dinner table that night, but my parents tell the story that my little sister pushed her dinner plate to the center of the table. And she said, my entire life, you've told me to have faith in a God who does miraculous things. And here I am trying to do that. And you're telling me not to. She said, can I please be excused from the dinner table? My parents were like, do we ground her? Like, how do we? 
And so my little sister that night, she walked upstairs to her room. And a couple minutes later, my parents said that they could hear her weeping. Just crying. And all of a sudden the crying stopped and she started singing the lyrics to this song called Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, light in the dark, my God, that is who you are. She just started singing it. My parents are downstairs, they start crying, they push their food to the center of the table, they start singing it. It was this really cool moment. My house, well, just so happened the next day was supposed to be the day that she went in. It's like a college fair day at Emmanuel College. And my parents were really on the fence about whether they should go or not. They, they didn't want to get her hopes up, you know. And at the last second, my dad decided to take her. They spent all day at Emmanuel College. And as they're walking to the car, true story, walking to the car, a student comes running out of the administration building and says, hey, is your name Carson? My little sister said, yeah, it's me. She said, can you please follow me really quick? I saw you guys are leaving, but someone asked me to grab you. Will you just follow me really quick? And so they follow this student leader back through the administration office, all the way back to this big, nice office. They walk inside. They're greeted by the president of the university, sit down at his desk and start small talk. And he says, uh, Carson, I'm... He said, I don't know how to say this, but last night at about dinner time, we had one of our biggest donors call and he said in the middle of him and his wife's dinner, they felt the Holy Spirit stop them and tell them that they were gonna give a full ride to Emmanuel College for a Spanish speaking missionary who wants to go into full-time missions. And I went through our list of prospective freshmen and I think you're the only one who fits that description. Do you still wanna do that? My little sister, she looked at my dad, she said, I told you. This is what I know about God. This is what I know about boats. This is what I know about saying yes to him that when we say yes to building what he's called us to build, he does the heavy lifting. If you came in here this morning and you feel like, I don't know how I'm gonna fight this battle. Exodus 14, 14 says, you don't have to fight the battle, the Lord will fight for you. If you came in and said, I don't know how I can face what's on the other side. Romans 8, 31, if God is for me, who can be against me? If you feel too dirty, too broken, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin, became sin so that I might be right with God. I don't have to focus on the results when I know a God who's working for me. I don't have to focus on what's happening right, what's happening wrong. If I will keep showing up, if I will keep being faithful, if I will keep trusting in God's promises and in God's timing, I will see things happen through my life that I could not get credit for. I'd love to end this way. If, if you're here and you say, I wanna build the boat, 
simple response this morning. I wanna build the boat. Will you just raise both hands up to heaven right now and let me pray for you before we worship God. Lord, thank you for every person who is raising their hands right now saying yes to what you've called them to build. God, I pray that you would give them the endurance to run and not grow weary. God, that you would give them the strength to keep building on the days when they are discouraged, to keep building on the days when results aren't lining up with their timelines, God, that they would be so enamored with you, so in love with you, that the building would be easy, God, that the burden would be light, God, that we wouldn't be distracted by the callings of the people around us. We wouldn't be distracted by the things that we don't know how they're gonna work out, God. We would just put our, our hope and our trust in you and to be like Noah, out back, building the boat, calling on your name, desiring to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, can we give them praise? This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.